0: BLOB TALK RADIO
1: Good evening, everyone, and welcome once again on the Fight Network. This is our Wednesday night edition of Sports Conversation. As always, we've been away for the last couple of weeks for the holidays. We hope that you all had a very merry Christmas, a happy Hanukkah, and, of course, a happy Kwanzaa as well. Also, I'd like to say at the top, I had a chance over the weekend at Raymond James to talk to our good fight colleague and friend, Leo Haggerty, who's recovering uh, from some medical problems, and he seems to be doing quite well. We send our best to him. And before we get into the show, we've got a big show for you to start this Wednesday night. Our executive producer, Frank Carroll, has a really, really big, big, big de- dedication tonight. Frank?
2: Yeah, Don. Uh, millions, as, as thousands of people were watching on uh, Monday night, and, and uh, millions of people around the world saw uh, Damon, uh, uh, uh hit um, in the um, Buffalo Bills game, Unfortunately, the young man uh, went down, uh, was technically dead on the, on the floor, on the ground, but they brought him back. They took him off field in an ambulance, took him to the hospital. Again, he coded, uh, but he, he's fighting back. Uh, we know that he is on, uh, on life support, uh, but they, they seem to think that he's going to come out of it. Um, so tonight's program is dedicated to him and his family. And uh, to all the wonderful people who have given up to five—I'm here—just got a new update: six million dollars for the food uh, for his kids, uh, the, the GoFundMe for his uh, toys for kids for around the uh, area that he used to take care of. So, for all those those donor uh, donors, donors, uh, we have, we applaud you for the Hamlin family. We pray we're praying for you. And we pray for a successful outcome on this.
1: All right, Frank. And, of course, we all pray for the young man. And, uh, and it was an unbelievable story, something that's never happened in the history of the National Football League. And, and we wish him nothing but the very, very best as he continues to try to recover. We go around the circle. And, of course, Roy Cummings is always in uh, Tampa, Florida. He covers the lady. He covers the. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Roger Henry is in Atlanta with the Falcons. Falcons got a big game coming up this weekend with Tampa Bay. So we're going to start off the program with football, the National Football League. And Roy, uh, some of your observations about the game uh, with Carolina this past Sunday and about uh, Tom Brady. Tom Brady.
0: Yeah, well, you know, in one game we saw everything that uh, the Bucks are capable of, and uh, everything that uh, you know explains why they're uh, uh, below five hundred, and um, you know, probably, uh, and they're going to have to spend the, the playoffs on the road. And, I mean, we saw what they're, you know, offensively what Tom Brady and uh, Mike Evans can do, and uh, then we saw them, you know, have these moments where it's just inexplicable how. How bad they can be at times and um you know almost let uh, carolina back into the game at, uh, at times but at the end of the day you know it's just this team finds a way to win when it has to and you know look you can argue all you want about had they been in a different division uh they probably wouldn't be going they probably wouldn't be in the playoffs wouldn't be going to the playoffs uh but at the end of the day, I mean, they have found a way to stay at the top of a bad division and they've done it with uh you know some pretty poignant uh, moments. I mean, you've got a quarterback who can just absolutely flip the switch and become dominant uh in a two-minute drill uh or maybe even at any other time if they would just go to that offensive style where they uh you know go with the no huddle and go with the, the hurry-up attack. Uh, and then you see a defense that does have the ability to take the ball away uh, at times. And, um, you know, so, you know, it's hard to really predict what the Bucks are going to be come playoff time. They're, they're probably going to face Dallas uh, on the road, which I don't think is any, you know, that's, I, I don't, I, to me, that's a coin flip. Um, again, if you give Tom Brady and, and that offense, uh, you know, two minutes and change, uh, down by a score, you're likely to lose. And as long, I still think as long as you've got Tom Brady, uh, you have a chance to win. And I think they have a real good chance to win. Um, I will not be surprised if as bad as this team appears on paper, um, if they don't win a couple of games and uh, even challenge for the NFC title. It wouldn't surprise me at all if they end up facing Philadelphia or San Francisco in the, uh, in the title game, guys. I think that can happen.
1: Well, I don't. Uh, I don't know how much Roger had a chance because he was in Atlanta. We, of course, here in Florida, we had a chance to see the game and how it uh, how it turned out. Uh, so I have a couple of questions about the game itself later on. But uh, first of all, you know they, they're guaranteed the, the first game at home because they're they're winning their division. Uh, but they're eight and eight. Brady's oh. never played on a team that lost, had a losing record uh, in all his high school, college, or pro career. So we have to win in Atlanta this Sunday in order to go 9-8. and eight. And, uh, Roger, uh, you're going to be right there. Tell us what the atmosphere is in Atlanta because they're really struggling.
3: Well, they are. And uh, the conversation uh, in the last uh, week or so has been that they really give uh, Arthur Smith a pass uh, on the first two years because they were really strapped uh, by the uh, cap, number one, lack of talent, number two, or vice versa. And, uh, but I, you know, whether they can win or not, uh, there's, I doubt it. Okay. That's my opinion. And I agree with you, Roy, that, uh, it would not surprise me if, uh, Brady gets the team going into the playoffs. However, I think you also have to look at Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers can do the same thing. And I love that interview uh, that he did uh, on CBS after the game on Sunday with Tracy Wolf, because, uh, or Wilson, I'm sorry, because Don and I go back with Tracy to her early days in, uh, in the broadcasting field, just starting out at CBN in Trenton many years ago. And she's terrific. And uh, I thought it was cute when he said, or she said, uh, you wanted to talk to me after the game. Well, obviously, she'd only talk to him if uh, he won the game. But I just looked at him, and he just seems to uh, be focused on uh, and has the Packers focused that uh, they're going the right way, and who knows what can happen in the playoffs. Right.
1: Well, I agree with that. I don't think uh, anybody's going to be able to <laughs> decide what's to do. The way this season has been uneven all the way up and down the line, uh, and as you know, we'll talk about the Eagles later. Bill Berkey's going to be on with us in a few uh, in a few minutes. But uh, well, a couple of things I was disappointed in. One, uh, I read I think almost everything I, I I could see recapping the game. I don't understand what Carolina was doing. I, I Steve Wilkes, uh, at you know he took over. Uh, for what I thought was a good coach at Rule who didn't couldn't get him off the ground this year, didn't have a quarterback, couldn't do it. He really turned the franchise around. But what was he doing? He runs the ball the first quarter and he goes through, you know, the Bucks like nothing. I mean, it looked like Todd Bowles didn't have a defense on the field the first, well, first quarter and into the beginning of the second quarter. But they never ran the ball again. What were they doing? Nobody ever wrote anything about what happened. Why didn't they run the ball?
0: Why didn't they do anything? Yeah, it's a great question because, uh, you know, you're right. I mean, the story became so much about Tom Brady and Mike Evans uh, reconnecting right. and uh, and the takeaways, but uh, you're right. It it, it it kind of, you know, flummoxed me as well. I mean, you've got this attack. You ran for 200 plus, almost, almost 300 yards a week earlier. Um, I, my guess, I don't know, maybe he thought, you know, that, that uh, they, they expected that. And, you know, we're not going to give you what you're expecting. We're going to give you something different. Um, and then you, But then you fall behind and you almost have to pass. So, you know, you kind of put yourself in that trap. But, you know, again, one of the things you have to do when you're facing the Tom Brady, and, and even if it's the Tom Brady who, you know, hasn't looked all that special at times this year, is you have got to limit the number of times he has the ball. Um, and this is going to be critical in the playoffs. Again, if you've got, you know, and I, look, the Bucks might not, still might not be in the playoffs if a couple, a couple of teams had played the final few minutes against them a little smarter, um, and not given the ball back to Tom Brady with so much time. You've got to run the ball late. If you've got a lead, you've got to run it late. Even if you're behind a little bit, you've got to run it late. Uh, you can't allow Tom Brady to get an extra uh, possession or two. Because, you know, the likelihood is he's going to take advantage of that and, and burn you with it. So, uh, no, I agree with you 100%. Um, I, I don't know what the, the thinking was there. It, uh, did, it, did, it didn't seem to me as if the game plan was as sound as it had been the previous two, three weeks. And and I don't know why that is. Um, it could be something that they saw in the defense itself. Didn't think it was there for him to run the ball. Um, decided to try to attack the secondary. I don't know. But, you know, just the way they've been this year, I think I'm leaning more on that running game than I am the young quarterback who uh, who's had a lot of you know, had a lot of difficulties. He's looked good at times, but uh, more often than not, uh, that that running game has been what's carried these guys. So, yeah, I'm a little surprised they didn't lean on that. Roger.
3: Well, uh, Roy, I'll tell you the same uh, point is being made in Philadelphia about the Eagles, and uh, they have a great running game, and they really didn't use it on Sunday. And it real, they, they did not come to play. That's the bottom line. And uh, they should not have lost to the Saints, even with a backup quarterback. But they, that, that's the uh, criticism of uh, the offensive coordinator uh, and with the Eagles, that uh, they did not run the game like they should and to control the game. There you go. So you got it in two markets, the same feeling. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, again,
0: uh, it's um, you know uh, this time of year. uh, You know, I I think teams often need to lean on the run a little bit more than than they normally would, just because you know the weather is not as good, and uh, you're you're fighting the elements sometimes as much as you are the other team, and uh, especially if you're leaning on a passing game. And again, if you, especially with a backup quarterback. Um, or a young quarterback, which is the case in in both situations. Um, I think you've got to lean on the run a little bit more. And and you know what? Just impose your will. You know, it's it's the old, you know, sweep right, sweep left that uh, Vince Lombardi used to throw at everybody with the Packers back in the day. And like, yeah, we, you know it's coming. So go ahead, beat us. You, you, you've got better figure out a way to do that.
1: Well, another thing, Roy. Let me get the two other points back with the Bucks again for a second. One, I give the offensive line a lot of credit what they did in protection uh, from the end of the second quarter all the way through and gave him time to, to get back there and throw the ball to, to Evans uh, on those deep patterns. But how in the world, again, I, I, and I don't want to blame it on the head coach, he's not the defensive coordinator, but how do you have man coverage on Evans back to back to back, receiving balls for over 200 yards, and you got man-to-man coverage all the way through. You never double up with the safety. Nothing.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, it's a good question, and uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe their thinking was that there was something. You know, they said, "Look, if you look at, if you're looking at the tape of the Bucks over the last two, three, four weeks, maybe all season, if you want to go that far, you're not seeing a connection with Mike Evans. You almost want to, you know, part of you maybe wants to say, all right, go ahead, challenge him.'" We're not going to double him up. We'll, we'll double up uh, Chris Godwin, who's basically taken out of the game. Um, but uh, taken out of the game in favor of uh, Mike Evans being available and, and, and checking in with uh, one of his best games ever. So, uh, you know, it's, it, you're, that's kind of where you're at, again, with the Buccaneers. It's kind of like, well, pick your poison. Who are you going to double? You can't double them all. Um, and uh, so th- that's where they pose a problem if everything is really clicking for him, and, and it was, uh, you know, on and off, not consistently, but on and off, which is all it needed to be uh, against Carolina. The other thing Carolina didn't do, in my opinion, guys, was, uh, you know, there's this double-A gap blitz, and, and if you're going to blitz Tom Brady, you've got to get him up the middle. And um, you, you're not going to necessarily get him from the corners, but I, I don't think they did that enough. Um, and I think they could have gotten to Brady a little bit more often, certainly moved him off the spot. That's the key there is that, you know, even if you don't get to him, you got to basically force him to take a step or two to his left or right or back. Um, even if you don't get to him, you know, that sometimes is enough to, to get you a uh, an incomplete pass as opposed to a, pa- a completion. So um, I don't think Carolina used that enough. Again, these are things that I think you'll see better teams do, against the Buccaneers when they face them again, whether it's Dallas, whoever it might be uh, going forward. But again, Tom Brady knows how to, how to do that. And, and, you know, you've just realized you, what, what the Carolina, what Carolina did is they, they pre- provided for every team that's going to face the Bucks in the playoffs, a real good uh, blueprint of what not to do or what you need to do. Again, it goes back to moving Brady off the spot and you got to do it by blitzing up the middle. So, um, you know, you can see a little bit in what Carolina did on both sides of the ball. This is not how you beat the Bucs. Um, so, I, I don't think the game plan was very good. And the Bucs took advantage, what they're capable of doing.
1: Well, I can and, see and the first cap- – I, so I can see man coverage on the first touchdown. Maybe even give you the benefit of the doubt on the second touchdown. But you don't give a guy three shots to score. Yeah. And, I mean, running right by your defensive corner like he's not even there – I mean, it didn't yeah. even make any sense to me. But anyway, let's yeah. uh, let's move on. Let's go back to Atlanta and Roger because Roger, it, it is a what's the atmosphere with with the Falcons? Because you know, uh, even though the you know even though the Bucks don't have to win, they've already secured their position. Uh, you know, how, how many players are they going to play? How many starters are they going to use? What they're going to do will be management's decision. But what about the Falcons? Where, where do they stay? What's their atmosphere? Well,
3: Well, two things I was going to say about Evans, uh, future Hall of Famer, I'm sure. Uh, You know, Roy, as you were alluding to, you know, we're only given a a single coverage. I mean, it didn't make any sense. But uh, I think that what they'll do from everything that I've heard and seen, uh, they're going to be really taking a look at what they have. I mean, they have nothing to play for, uh, the Falcons do. And uh, this way they can get an assessment of maybe players that haven't played much this year. Uh, they've got to make a, 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 a decision on the quarterback. Uh, you know, we've had uh, Daryl Ledbetter on in the past, and he said they're high on uh, this rookie quarterback. Mariota obviously was not the, uh, the right uh, – it didn't work out, let's put it that way. I mean, he only signed a two-year contract. Well, that's what I think is going to happen. I don't look for them to beat the uh, the Bucks at all. Uh, I think it's going to be just a showcase for guys playing for their careers in the NFL.
0: Yeah, you know, I won't be surprised at all if the Bucks take a similar approach, guys. Um, look, this, the Bucks don't have a lot of depth as it is. And you can't afford to get somebody hurt. So I don't know how much Tom Brady's going to play. Look, you can make the argument that they need to work. You can make the argument that, you know, he and Evans need to go out there and reconnect again and, and continue to do so and, and find their rhythm in a way that uh, allows them to, you know, extend it and keep it uh, throughout the playoffs. Uh, you can do this, you know, and, and you can make the argument for a lot of players on the defensive side of the ball needing to play as well. But, look, the team is not that deep. And I think the with the with the division in hand, I think you've got to look at it and say, look, uh, if those guys play at all, it's going to be limited. Um we need to play the backups because, again, uh, you know, you just can't afford to get somebody hurt. I mean, if you know, if Brady gets hurt, if uh, if Evans, you know, rips a hamstring, if uh, Godwin hurts a knee again, uh, you know, if, if, take your pick. You know, if Devin White gets hurt, um, they they just don't have the depth really behind those uh, the, those top guys um, to they, they can make an impact. So I think the Bucks may take a, a similar approach. And you, it could be a uh, you know could could look a little bit like a, an exhibition game.
4: Roy, right, Roy,
1: right. uh, we, we've been a little bit spoiled, Roger and myself, because we grew up with the NFC East all the way, uh, the Giants and the Eagles, Giants and the Eagles, Giants and the Eagles, and of course it's going to be the Cowboys and the and the Giants for this last game of the season. But again, the Giants are locked into number six. Uh, the Cowboys are, are going to get into the playoffs, but. Uh, Again, a game that for the Giants is, is sort of meaningless. Are they going to play for real or are they going to play for fun?
0: Yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, it's it, look. It, you get to this point every year, and uh, you have that question. And it depends on the coach. I mean, certain coaches have certain philosophies. Certain teams need uh, you know need to do certain things. Some guys need reps. Go so I gotta think the Giants would be a team that would say, "All right, we, we need to go out there. Um, you know, we can't. Who, who are we protecting? We're not protecting anybody. We we need to be the best we can be, and uh, and we need to go out and win, and continue to to get better. I, I think they're a team that um, will probably uh, go go for a victory here and uh, and try to win and uh, try to continue to build on what they've got here. So that's how I see it, Dallas. Uh, that's a team on the other side, like 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 the Bucks, that I think just may say, oh, okay, look, we are where we are, unless it changes. I mean, if 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 everything can change, uh, and you think you can uh, change your position, in the, you know, but again, even then, uh, you know, how, how much of a difference is it going to make? You know, I don't know that it makes that much of a difference that you take those chances. I I, I think, I think there's something to be said for, uh, especially with a 17th game, resting some of these players. Uh, that, uh, you know, that might be a little bit hurt. You just can't avoid, you know, you can't afford to have uh, your top players hurt. And um, in a 17th game, if, if pre- everything is pretty much decided for you, uh, I can
3: see a lot of teams uh, sitting there, sitting their top guys out. Well, here's the deal. The uh, Giants are playing the Eagles. And the Eagles need to win to get the, to, uh, get the uh, first seed and to get that by. So they and they humiliated the Giants at uh, the Meadowlands. So that's uh, that's what the game and it's 4:25 uh, on Sunday, and it looks like Hertz is going to play. But and they're Eagles, on a losing streak too,
1: Roger. Eagles have are, dropped a couple games running, they should have dropped.
3: They, exactly, they never should have lost that game against the uh, uh, the Saints. They just didn't show up. But that's, uh, you know, I, this is going to be a big game, and there's a lot of speculation, Roy and Don and Frank, that uh, that Giants may rest everybody because they have nothing to play for except retaliation against the Eagles for being humiliated.
0: Yeah, I think the other thing is, you, and, and this is something that's you know, obviously impressed upon coaches at this time, is if, if you're in a situation like the Giants, you have nothing to play for necessarily. Um, but the other team does. I think you've got to go out and put your best players out there. A game like Tampa Bay and Atlanta, nothing's really riding on that. Right. Tampa's not going to change right. its position. Atlanta's not going anywhere. Philadelphia uh, so has a chance to, uh, to, to secure home field throughout, get that first round by, um, and, and there's other teams that are vying for that. So I, I think it's incumbent upon the Giants at that point to, to put their best team out there for four quarters and play this one as if it matters because it does matter. This is a, the game matters. The the outcome may not matter to the Giants, but the outcome matters uh, to the rest of the league. So, in those cases, I think you have it. Uh, you kind of have an, uh, you know an, an obligation to go out there and play your best best uh, your best football and put your best lineup out there.
1: Well, they said we're going to talk to Berge in the next uh, in the next half hour, and uh, the Eagles win uh, was a, point, a fourteen point choice over the Giants, uh, playing uh, in Philadelphia at the link. Uh, so it, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens there, because the Giants aren't too deep in uh, personnel either, uh, Roy. They, you know, they've been flush, flush, fluctuating, bringing players in and out, in and out, who <clears throat> have been injured. So they're not real deep either. They can't afford to get too many people hurt.
0: No, you're right, and and again, but that's you know what that's the uh, that's the equation that you have to try to figure out and say, okay, well, what do we do here? And you know, in some cases, it's a guy who's going to play, you know, maybe. 30 snaps instead of 50 or 20 snaps instead of 40, something like that. But, uh, um, you know, and, and then there's other people. You know, sometimes you leave it up to the player. Look, what do you want to do? Do you want to play? But I think if, if anybody is, you know, questionable uh, on the injury report, if they're in an injury situation where they're questionable or, you know, I think you just, you know, the discretion being the better part of valor, the there, you just, you know, you hold that player out. And you test your depth. Yeah, you need the game, but um, at the end of the day, it's like Jalen Hurts. I mean, that's a a very important call. Jalen Hurts, you want the game, you know, but you know you're going to the playoffs as it is. If Jalen Hurts isn't 100% or ready to play, if he's got any risk of further injury here, uh, you know, I don't think you're wise to play him. You should be, this team, you know, the the Eagles should be able to beat the Giants without uh, Jalen Hurts. Uh, no matter what you know what the attitude is of the they Giants, they should have beaten beat the Saints
3: too, Roy. Well, there you and go,
0: exactly. So you know, are well, a lot of closer to the Philly
1: broadcast than, than we are here in Florida. Uh, I know you hear IP in the morning and, and some of the other stations in Philadelphia. Yeah. Uh, what, what's the speculation on Hurst? What's he going to What do they think he's going to do?
3: Well, uh, Sirianni uh, had his press conference today, and, and uh, he said they t- they're taking it day by day. And the same thing with uh, a couple of other players. Josh Sweat got hurt. And, uh, uh, but, you know, what's also interesting uh, from a uh, radio perspective, Hugh Douglas is doing the morning show on the uh, sports station in Atlanta. However, he's uh, already moved back to Philadelphia because he's going to wind up doing – uh, the midday show on WIT, but he's doing the, still doing the morning show, but he's doing it from the WIT studio. <laughs> and my, how the electronic media has changed over the years.
1: Well, fellas, we're uh, finished with the first half hour. Roy Cummings, as always, terrific. We'll look forward to next week in the first half hour again. Bill Berge standing in the wing, so thank you, Roy, and welcome in, Bill Berge, one of the great coming a great up meeting, Eagles of all time. And my biggest Thanks, question of my biggest question of Bill Berge is this: We ended up with Roy talking about it, and, and uh, Roger talking about it. Uh, Bill, it, it seems to me, <clears throat> without having any medical expertise and not being too smart, it, I, it seems to me this is not a shoulder bruise. This seems to me like it's either a slight shoulder separation or something that uh, a little bit more than what everybody's been talking about for two and a half weeks.
5: Yeah, it kind of baffles me, too, because uh, he ended up coming back from that injury, and he played the rest of the game, and then they finally decided decided to sit him. So I, I don't know where he is, but if he's not 100%, I say don't play him. But if he can go and he thinks he's all right, let him go ahead and play. This brings up a, a big point with me. Uh, if you're going to be there in January and even February, what you do is you win all the games you're supposed to win. You steal a game here or there, but the bottom line is, and you get hot at the end of the end of the uh, year, but uh, the, the bottom line is you've got to stay healthy. And we've got cornerbacks. defensive backs that are hurting we've got uh uh a quarterback that's down we've got lane johnson our our greatest uh offensive lineman he's uh, a hurting puppy and uh i am kind of concerned about the eagles right now and i just hope that uh they can get the giants out of the way and the giants they don't have anything to play for so i think that uh I think that we have a good crack against them because at this time of the year, when you can have home field advantage all the way and have that one week off, that's a real big thing for you.
3: Roger? Absol- absolutely, Bill. And I've said it a couple times tonight, the Eagles never should have lost that game to the Saints. But I don't. I got the impression just from the outset they didn't show up. They thought it was they going didn't. to be a piece they of They didn't
5: show up. As a matter of fact, everybody played horrible. Uh, Gardner Mishu, he was just absolutely terrible. Uh, my wife is a, uh, a big Eagle fan, and the way she was yelling at that TV, I, I <laughs> couldn't believe it. She was really upset through the whole game. But uh, it wasn't all on the quarterback. It was on everybody. Nobody played a good game. And you know yeah. something? There's been times where I couldn't play uh, a very good game, but uh, the way they, they approach this game, they didn't look like a, a team that was 13 and two losing their, their third game of the uh, season.
1: Bill, uh, they're, they're going down back down to the down giants, down. Uh, they're locked in at the number six position right now with the playoffs. They they're secure there. Uh, now, your thought, if you were the head coach or uh, defense coordinator, offensive coordinator, what would be your input into what will you do with your key players in a game that really doesn't mean anything to you?
5: I would absolutely set them. You know, let them get healthy. Uh, it's been a long year, a, a lot of hits, a lot of bumps, a lot of bruises. And uh, if I was uh, the head coach of the New York Giants, I would go ahead and set them. And that's why the Eagles are like thirteen or fourteen point favorites in the game.
6: Fourteen. And that's
5: up in that's up in New York.
1: Roger.
3: Well, yeah. The I think the fourteen points uh, spread is is way too high. I really do. I think that's ridiculous. But uh, I, you know, the, the Eagles never should have been in this position, Bill. I mean, that game they was the know. key. No.
5: They shouldn't shouldn't have, but you know something? That goes to show you how important our quarterback Jalen Hurts is. I mean, this guy, I am really a true believer in him. Now, he couldn't make it with uh, the uh, boys down in Alabama. He sure did a good job out in Oklahoma, but now that he's in the pros and, you know, up until uh, the last couple of games, he was absolutely 100% He was the the most valuable
3: player in the uh, NFL. Oh, I agree, Bill, 100%, because they they would not be even anywhere near where they are without him in in this season. And and everything he does, and he's a real leader,
5: too. And uh, all of uh, his teammates, they respond to him, and uh, everything he does is done in the right way.
1: Well, that was my feeling from the beginning. I When they started to talk about his injury, as you said, he finished off the game uh, when he was hurt. But uh, the second week, uh, it's day-to-day. It's day-to-day. We're looking at this. We're looking at that. The second week, it's day-to-day. We're looking going into today. It's day-to-day. We're going to make a decision as we get closer to game time. Uh, it just seems to me that that's all an indication that there's some kind of a shoulder Separation there some some something in his shoulder more than just a hammer bruise, I, maybe i'm wrong
5: well, you know, and I don't really know to be honest with you, but i will I would almost put anything on the line that he will be in that starting lineup this coming Sunday, and uh, if they can get uh, a couple of touchdowns ahead in
3: the second half, then they'll pull him. Well, I think what happened is, uh, Don and Bill and Frank, uh, I think they expected to win on this past Sunday. And I think that's what the coaching staff, they figured that they were going to uh, come out, the team was going to play uh, three phases, give it all, and win the game. Well, when it didn't happen from the outset. and uh, But what do they have to do? They They can't put Hurts in then, so – uh, now they're uh, they're down to the wire because I believe Bill that if they lose they go from the fifth seed to the or first seed top seed to the fifth seed which changes yeah, the entire it. complexion.
5: They're going to be in bad shape. They they sure are. They have got to win this game. They really do, and uh, there's a lot of pressure there. But uh, I don't think the Giants really have that much to play for and the Eagles have everything in the world to play for, and I think that'll
3: carry them. I I hope so. Bill, the only thing
1: that that would, uh, and listen, we've all been, and we talked in the last half hour, you know, we grew up with the NFC East. I mean, the rest of the league is is okay. But to me, the NFC (laughs) East has always been the, the number one National Football League division. And the Giants and the Eagles and the Giants and the Cowboys, they're not like anybody else. And and Myra is not like any other owner. And, uh, you Uh know, I don't know how much input he's going to have with the coach. But I'm telling you, he's not happy with the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm not so sure. Go ahead.
5: The thing of it is, up until last week, the entire NFC East was uh, a playoff found. And then the, the Washington Redskins, they kind of uh, dumped in their hat a little bit, and they're, they're right. kind of out of it now. But, uh, you know, we still have three. We got the Giants, Dallas, and uh, the Philadelphia Eagles. But uh, the one team, guys, that, that bothers me probably more than anything is the darn San Francisco 49ers. Right. They are a great team. A great defense, and they could do some damage uh, in the uh, in the playoffs. And a lot of people have them uh, picked pick to, to, to go to the Super Bowl. Well,
1: I, I would you, agree. I, I would agree with you there, Roger. You're up. Yeah,
3: I no, I agree. And they got Christian McCaffrey. Okay, what a deal right. that was that uh, they made. But I'll tell you, Bill, I, we talked about Brady and the Bucks, and also about Rodgers and the uh, and the Packers. Listen, they they now are starting to uh, put it all together at the end of the year, just like you were alluding to. You want to get through the season, win the games you're supposed to, steal a one or two, and here you are. And, uh, right. you know, what do you think about those two veteran quarterbacks? They could get it going in the playoffs, do you think? Well, you
5: know something? I think that uh, Tom Brady, he is the GOAT. He is the greatest of all times. And he can make things happen, and he can make the people around him a lot better. Uh, as far as Aaron Rodgers goes, he's on a hot streak right now. He's making things happen. But uh, I, I think in the long run, I, I I will put the Tampa Bay Buccaneers ahead of the uh, Green Bay Packers. But, uh, you know, that's why they play the game, and you never know. Uh, but I'm looking forward to the playoffs with great anticipation.
1: So am I, Bill. I agree with you 100%. The one thing we talked about in the last half hour, and maybe you would uh, have a comment about this, uh, you you're watching the Eagle game, so you didn't have a chance to see the Bucks. We, we're here with the Bucks this uh, last weekend, so we saw every play. But if you're playing for the Philadelphia Eagles and your coach has man-to-man coverage on Evans, where he can catch the ball without even without even a smell of somebody touching him. Not the first time. Not the second time. Yeah. How, but the how
5: third many time. Have? somebody have
1: to make a decision here?
5: Yeah. Wasn't he over 200 yards uh, yeah. receiving the ball?
1: Yeah. yeah. Brady, I mean, was, that was, Brady was that 435 an awesome and he was display. Uh, like 207. Yeah, yeah, that
5: was an awesome display of football right there.
1: Great. unbelievable, but they never doubled. Let's yeah. let him go. I, could, yep. I couldn't believe it. Well, Roger, go ahead.
3: No, he's a future Hall of Famer, I think, Bill. Evans. Uh-huh.
1: Well, he has to be in you know, nine straight years, with over 1,000 yards, first player to ever do it the first nine years he was in the league. Yeah. He's got to be up there for the Hall of Fame. Frank, maybe you've got a question you'd like to ask Bill while you're uh, taking the controls there. and Jump in and give us a question.
2: Yeah, I, I'm still trying to uh, get wrap my my uh, arms around uh, going off the uh, NFL back to the uh, NCAA. How does it? How does a guy who has been in the, been, has played college football, has coached college football, has played in the NFL, has coached in the NFL, get to the end of the fourth quarter and still have three timeouts left with two mm. minutes less than two minutes on the game? Uh, That's just unfathomable to me. Uh, What's your thoughts on that, Bill? You you know something? There are so
5: many extenuating circumstances, you don't know what the (laughs) hell is really happening. And uh, that's my only answer. You know, I have Mm -hmm. said that to myself so many times. At the end of a game when they are marching the ball down the field and they're letting the damn clock run out, and they've got three timeouts, and it's always mm-hmm. baffled me, and uh, it, it's a very surprising thing for me. That's my only answer uh, to that.
3: Mm-hmm. Bill, in in that uh, semi and Frank, that semifinal game, okay, you know, Ohio State Michigan. Did you, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Jim Harbaugh's uh, father, Jack? Did you see him in the stands? I did. He's basically no. saying, "Why haven't you called a timeout?"
6: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Those, those, okay, uh, staying
1: those, in that staying in that vein for just a minute with Michigan and Ohio, or, but with Ohio State. You know, I was a little surprised, and again, no knowledge, just looking at the game on television like everybody else. Your quarterback makes a great play, takes the ball down to the 32-yard line with, uh, what, about 37 seconds to go on a game. And it looked like they settled for that. <clears throat> he didn't try mm-hmm. to move it another 10 yards. or You know, he just ran the ball into the middle of the line, and I guess he just had so much confidence that his kicker was going to kick at 47 yards. I don't have that kind of confidence in any of them. I mean, no. I'd like to be a little I closer.
5: I, well, keep... I know exactly what you mean.
3: You know, Bill, I was at the uh, two weeks ago. Last night, I was at the Flyers game, and they they announced. I'm getting onto a little different subject, but one that's close to you because your son uh, played for the uh, the Wings, and indoor lacrosse, right. for many years. And I see he that did. I think they open up this uh, right after uh, the uh, 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 what is it, Disney on Ice, when they finish at the uh, arena, the Wells Fargo uh, Center. I think that's when Uh the wings start. You know, and I've watched it on TV a lot. They've had it on already. And I'll tell you what, I love that sport. And I know you, your son loved it, and you love it.
5: You know something? My son, uh, I'm going to say, was probably in the top five as far as great indoor lacrosse players. And uh, my oldest son, I really pushed him to play football in college, and uh, he told me he went to the University of Delaware on a a full scholarship, and he kept telling me, Dad, I I hate it. I I just don't like uh, college football. And he went on to play uh, ice hockey, and he was the leading scorer all four years in ice hockey, so now my son Jake, who was a great, football player, a great defensive back. He uh, wanted to play lacrosse and I'm saying, oh my gosh, you've got to be kidding me. You can play football for anybody and you want to play lacrosse, but I'll tell you what, he played I think it was 10 or 11 years and he gave me so much joy watching him and he he won two championships in uh, high school in uh, lacrosse he won two ncaa uh championships uh in college and he won two world championships and he just absolutely loved that sport with a passion
1: bill i can't let you go without talking about what happened on monday night because obviously it's on everybody's mind we all pray for the young man right now uh you played this sport it's a collision sport uh a lot of things were said on ESPN during the uh, the period of time where they were waiting for the ambulances and all this. You know, you know when you play football, the danger is not to the degree that we saw on Monday night, but you know it's there. And and uh, your thoughts on and now you're saying your your two boys decided to play other than football. Did that have any bearing on it, or was it just something they wanted to? No, do?
5: no, not at all, not at all. But I I will tell you one thing. Uh, I played in a game in Green Bay, and we had a a defensive back by the name of Ken Dyer, and he had a real long neck. He looked almost like a goose playing defensive uh, (laughs) uh, back. And there was a running back by the name of John Brockington with the Green Bay Packers that came through the line and hit him head to head and broke his neck. And I am the first one right there standing over Ken Dyer, and he is looking up at me, and he's mouthing the words, I can't breathe. And uh, that's when I yelled for the trainers uh, to come over onto the field as quick as you could. So I have seen this kind of stuff, and uh, he was taken by ambulance uh, uh, off the field. He was taken on a gurney and then onto an ambulance. And then the following year we played Green Bay in Green Bay again. And he walked from the Green Bay side, uh, lines to, uh, the, the, the Cincinnati Bengals sideline. And he walked like a duck, but at least he was, uh, walking. And, uh, I have seen this stuff. I, I have seen, I had a teammate that died in bed the night before a game against the Miami Dolphins, uh, And it's very unfortunate if I had to do it all over again, and I played 13 years, I would do it in a New York second, because if you're not playing football in a controlled atmosphere, like we're playing, you know, whatever you do a hundred percent more, you're going to get injured somehow or another, whether it's in a car accident, some kind of a freak accident. So, uh, I, I felt real bad for the guy. I felt bad for the team. I knew that they weren't gonna play anymore. A real freaky thing to happen and uh I hope that the young man is gonna be okay. Well so they with said all the things
1: he... you saw in person, standing over the young man when this happened with a broken neck, you still were one hundred percent in favor of your kids playing football.
5: Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. And uh I I uh as As long as you've got good coaches and and they're being uh, coached the right way, I don't
3: have a problem whatsoever with it Roger. Well, that injury that injury the other night, from what I've heard was not a football injury as such. I mean it was just a, a freakish thing uh that's right no, and the, it
5: was a freakish thing it really was. Uh, you've got more of a chance of getting something like that, playing lacrosse or even baseball. But every, all of the stars were lined up perfectly to have had that happen. And uh, I am just so glad. And the latest I've heard is he's going to make it. He's going to be okay. I don't know if he's going to play football anymore or not, but, uh, uh, I'll, t- I'll tell you, what I do love is the outpouring and how everybody has kind of gone to his aid. He was going to make $2,500 for children uh, to get toys for tots, and uh, he w- he was going to take the $2,500 and buy all these clothes. And instead, he's got a GoFundMe thing now that was set up by somebody in which now he's got $6 million. To right. uh, take care of his uh, dream, and I just think that is pretty cool.
1: Well, the last wow. number I heard at the top of the show, Frank put it on. Uh, they were over ten million. I mean, it, uh, oh, un- really? it's unbelievable. The outpouring immediately. They were, they were yeah. over a million. When you can't
5: do anything, when you can't do anything, and you have people like that that want to do something, I just think that's wonderful. Well, I could is, not agree I'll with anybody, you more. So anybody that says. Football is bad. It's a rough sport. It's nasty. Sure, it's nasty. It's rough. But um, this is this is the good stuff of the game.
3: Absolutely. Well, yeah. He had an opportunity to uh, play at other schools, but he stayed in. uh, He's from what McKee'sport, and he stayed and played at Pitt. And then I also heard that his brother and uh, uncle were watching the game at home. And then, as soon as they saw this, I know the mother was at the game in Cincinnati. Right. Uh, that the the brother and the uncle they just hopped in the car and took off for Cincinnati, which I guess Bill from what Pittsburgh's probably about a uh, four-hour ride. I guess. That's about uh, right. The, yep. Yeah. So, uh, but you know, everybody's there. But Eli- I'm with you. I've heard that at least he's improving. And uh, and I guess I guess this has happened to people in everyday life, uh, you know, that that got hurt the same same injury, where uh, the heart stops and uh, and they re, they resuscitate, and I think that's one of the reasons that it's good to know CPR and everything else uh, today because yeah. you you never know.
5: But like I was saying, this is a real freakish freakish accident once. In a lifetime, sort of thing that really happened. So don't, don't tell, don't have. I don't want to have anybody tell me football is a nasty game. They shouldn't play it. They ought to ban it. I, I think that is just so totally wrong. It's incredible.
1: Well, another yeah. thing you give our listeners a 1st of knowledge of because a lot of them may not remember you were originally drafted by. <laughs> Cincinnati, he had one of the great coaches of all time coach you at Cincinnati, one of the most respected people, in my view, one of the most respected people to ever coach you in the National Football League, but they certainly, in my view, did everything humanly possible as quickly as they possibly could with the best intent to get everything done right.
3: Right. Yeah, that everybody right. has uh, agreed with that, and they talked about it today. That I've heard some doctors, and they and they everybody just went together. And uh, what a, I've always been a fan of Sean McDermott, and uh, I remember when Jim Johnson and you remember Bill and Don and Frank. When Jim Johnson was the defensive coordinator, it was Sean McDermott sending in the signals when he was like the defensive backfield coach on the Eagles. And uh, he said, he told uh, the Cincinnati coach, he said, I've got to go to the hospital and be with uh, the young man. So, yeah, that says a lot too. I've always been a big fan of Sean's.
5: Well, you know something, Sean McDermott, one time uh, he and I started talking about the theory and the philosophy philosophy of uh, coaching defense in the NFL. And Sean McDermott, just stood there and listened to everything that I had to say just because he wanted to uh, learn more about defense from an old retired uh, old baggy guy like me, and I really uh, respected him I respected him for, uh, for doing that.
1: Well, I think it shows up uh, with you know the rapport he had with on only just with when he was with the Eagles, but now that he's with Buffalo. You you could just tell the empathy he has for the players, uh, his concern with the game, with concern with getting everything as close to right as he possibly can. Uh, You can't ask for much more than that.
3: No, that's right. Yeah, I interviewed him uh, when he was the defensive coordinator for Ron Rivera with uh, Carolina at uh, a Falcons game, and you know we were reminiscing, like you were saying, Bill, about coaches and jim johnson and defense and everything and uh, he's just a, a class guy and and has just done an outstanding job as a, a head coach at buffalo but just everything about him is first class yeah well i'm
5: kind of from the buffalo area i i uh, grew up uh oh probably uh 30 35 miles south of buffalo and uh i really I have a lot of friends that are Buffalo Bill fans and I am hoping so much for a Buffalo Bills and Philadelphia Eagle uh uh Super Bowl that uh and and it could happen and uh you never know what's gonna happen but uh anyhow uh out of uh when when I was drafted there was thirty two teams in the NFL
0: and uh
5: Every one of them wrote me a letter when I was in college to fill out this questionnaire, and there was only one team in the NFL that never asked me for anything, and that was, believe it or not, the Buffalo Bills. Isn't
3: that
1: amazing?
3: Didn't they ask you whether you could show them no?
1: They didn't ask you that? (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) They they have more snow up
5: there than we have seen in a lifetime. I know. Oh, my gosh. We were one time going up there, and it was November, and that lake effect snow hit us just right. They had taken the tarp off the field early in the morning, and uh, it started snowing and snowing and snowing. (laughs) And by the end of the game, there must have been about 12 or 13 inches of snow on the ground, and it was the most hilarious
6: thing <laughs> you've ever seen in your life. Uh,
5: but uh, we ended well, up... When I was doing the 76 picture days, we went up
1: during one of those blizzards up there. We landed, at the, the city was closed, state of emergency. And we landed on the uh, on the runway. And the snow was higher than the plane. Oh, and we God. couldn't... They, they had to bring the bus out on the runway to get us in. We stayed at the... 747 lounge across the street from the airport and uh which was quite a place in itself but <laughs> i never saw so much snow until this last couple of weeks i mean oh my god they were getting 30 40 50 inches and I, I don't know how they could move
5: yeah and this year they uh i think they hit 77 inches uh the first bad snowstorm and then the the next one was like about 45 or 46 inches but that was a real bad one because it was a real heavy snow and it wouldn't go anywhere so uh and it's it's really funny it's just that just hits just perfect and you know uh i had uh, a high school buddy that was like probably about 25 miles south of buffalo they got maybe an inch or two and where Buffalo would get 77 inches. I mean, it's really weird.
3: Well, I was up there one time up at the, up on Niagara Boulevard, you know, north, uh, up by the base, and uh, my boss was in Buffalo. They got three feet, and here I got seven inches, and I'm not that far away.
1: <laughs> well, I'll tell you, I never went to Holy Land, New York, to do a game when I was doing the, seven, the, uh, the Temple. I never went to Olean, New York. There wasn't snow, and never ever went. In all the years I went there, I never saw anything but snow up there. Unbelievable! <laughs> and I'll tell you, no. Bill. They had a they had a they had a quarterback at St. Bonaventure who wound up in Baltimore coaching. What a great! We talk about uh, some of the great coaches. There was another guy that was a, a great, great coach who uh, came out of Olean, New York, and St. Bonaventures, and the National Football League, and and. Uh, wound up down in Baltimore as a head coach. He was a great guy.
6: Uh-huh. Yep.
1: But we'll let you go. We kept you on a lot longer. And lastly, Bill, but not least, Bill. a great pleasure. Yes, great pleasure. But more importantly, congratulations on your health. Glad everything is going in the right direction. I hope 2023 is better than any year you ever had.
5: Thank you, guys. And same to you. Happy New Year. And to all your listeners, I wish them, all a happy new year too, and uh, just remember one thing: football is the greatest sport in the world, and uh, anybody that says it's not, they're they're wrong. And uh, don't anybody ever think that we are to ban football because that is the worst thing in the world that could happen.
1: Amen. We're gonna have you on after the Super Bowl, so get ready, get your voice ready for. A little
5: commentary after the Super Bowl when the Eagles get there again. Okay. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. And you guys have a good night. And once again, uh, Happy New Year to you. You too. Thank you very much. We
1: appreciate
6: it. I'll uh, say one of the great guys. uh, One of the great great Philadelphia
1: Eagle uh, players, middle linebacker. And uh, the last time he was on with us about a month ago, he sat in and uh, he was doing a broadcast with Merle Reese. Remember that? Uh, uh, Roger and, and Frankie, oh, yeah. uh, I, I yeah. didn't realize it. Maybe you had heard the game. I did not. I was down here. And uh, he did the color commentary with Merle Reese. Uh, we talk about Dan Baker, the longest PA in in all of baseball, uh, 50 years. And uh, Merle Reese is uh, approaching the longest in the national football, like I would think. I don't know what the record is. But anyway, uh, they brought Bill Berge in to work and do the color uh, on that game, and I'm sure he did a great job.
3: Well, he was the uh, regular uh, color analyst, you know, with uh, Merle early on in Merle's career. Then it was Stan Walters and uh, obviously Mike uh, Quick now for many years. And uh, Right. Mike's been right
1: there many, many years. M-
3: many years. Absolutely. And uh, we're just, you know, talking about uh, Dan. And, uh, the, hold on. Uh, the, hold on
1: a second. We'll go back to that. we got to go to the Ryfkest Bowl right now because Mike Schulte is ready. We were all over there. <laughs> For the football game, Mississippi State, Illinois. Illinois was one of uh, Mike's picks during the course of the year. They wound up playing the bowl. I'll tell you, it was uh, it was a lot of fun. But Mike, let me ask you this: Have you ever seen a conclusion to a game anywhere like the conclusion of that game on, on uh, Monday?
7: Well, it was definitely uh, it was definitely exciting. That's for sure. Um, yeah, it was <laughs> it was really interesting conclusion um and for those who uh, you know who didn't get to see it you know the the game was tied and and um Mississippi state put together a nice drive at the end of the game uh got down inside the ten yard line and and ended up picking uh, a field goal to go ahead by three points with uh four seconds left and the uh, ensuing kickoff they uh kicked it off, and the guy i think fair caught it or whatever and then uh they ran to play Illinois ran to play and uh, you know, of course, the old, you know, lateral, try, down the field, try and lateral your way, you know, down the field kind of deal. And they actually ran it really well. Um, yeah, they only know, had four seconds. I, well, well, the key is they had one play, right? And they were two parties yeah, to a hillary. Right. So they, the key was, though, you know, because you see this, and and I get frustrated watching it sometimes some of these places, you know, these, these teams that they, they try this lateral thing where they, you know, they throw a little, they run the ball or they throw a little, five yard pass. And then they start laddering the ball, you know, and it's like, all they do is go backwards. And you're like, what are (laughs) you guys doing? You're supposed to throw it downfield, you know, at least, you know, 20, 25 yards and then have a guy catch it. And then another guy's coming by behind him. You flip it to him. He goes another 20 yards, then he laterals it. And you work your way down the field. Well, that's what Illinois was doing. They they were actually making progress going down the field uh, quite a ways um and uh but then at one point um the, the guy didn't catch it and, and uh, the lateral the ball bounced up and Mississippi State guy grabbed it and returned it uh 60 yards for a touchdown so
6: <laughs>
7: as as someone said you know it it was uh you know the the game was tied with 4 seconds left or 5 seconds left and um and the winning team ended up winning by two scores.
0: <laughs> it was pretty crazy well, The funny <laughs> thing about that
1: was and, and, uh of course uh, to be honest with you, none of us that are on the show here uh, are gamblers, but uh, the line was three points so if you okay. had bet yeah. uh, if you had bet the game before that last four seconds and uh, the, the spread was was uh, thirteen to ten. Three points, mm-hmm. and the line was three and a half points. So you're either a mm-hmm. winner or a loser. With four seconds to go, you're counting your money, or you're losing your money. <laughs> and four seconds later, you're a winner or a loser. Unbelievable.
7: Yeah, yeah, that's a, it. Was it was definitely an exciting finish, but and uh, in, in and in a hard-fought game. Um, you know, the, it was interesting. I mean, obviously, the you know you had two top-10 defenses going at it um, in the game, right. so it's not surprising it was low-scoring um uh to some degree, you know uh, probably thought there would be a little bit more scoring uh but uh uh the defenses certainly prevailed and and as they say right, you win championships with defense so the defenses prevailed on on that day, and um you know Mississippi state did a, a really good job um you know with uh i think they had uh seven sacks on illinois um and of course illinois the the one aspect obviously illinois did not have chase brown um because he's preparing for the the NFL draft, so um, they did not have their their star running back, and I, I think that certainly hurt them offensively. Right. Um, but but you also had two really good defenses, and and the Illinois' defense really really uh, stood stood fast as well. Um, you know, holding the their you know the the um, uh, Bulldogs to to ten points till the very end of the game.
1: Well, you were busy all day, and, and uh, I know Frank got caught up with you back by the, the food counters and all, and Doug and I went, looked around for you before we left and uh, never caught up with you. But I want to say once again, uh, for all the listeners we've been talking about for the last 10, 12 years, uh, you know, Mike takes such great care of us uh, in the press box, and uh, just always a wonderful, wonderful experience to go to Raymond James Stadium for the game and I want to thank you again. I didn't get a chance to do it personally. I know Frank did, uh, but it was a great afternoon. Uh, you did a great job with the press box with everything else, and uh, I think people had a heck, of a heck of a lot of fun, and the only comparison I would make was the uh, New England Patriots game two weeks prior to that. They did exactly the same thing at the end of the game. They started to ladle the ball back and forth, and they wound the losing the game because it went on the ground and <laughs> was picked up and run for a touchdown, and the Patriots wound up losing the game. It was almost the same thing, but a little bit different in the pro game. But you had a you had a great afternoon over there, I'll tell you that, much.
7: Well, it was fun, you know, as it always is. I mean, you know, and thankfully, you know, we had good weather, as we usually do, but, you know, we had really good weather, um, beautiful weather on game day especially. Um, and, uh, uh, and, again, we had two teams that – you know they showed up they really wanted to play i mean they were they went after it um and and that's what you want and of course we had you know uh, mississippi state had some extra motivation in the game you know with the with the uh the passing of of coach leach right. um I, you know i think that really gave them some inspiration at times and and um um you know i i don't know how much of a difference it made in the game but it, they seemed to feel like it did and and that, and that was pretty neat. We, you know, we, we did some things and Mississippi state, did some things to, uh, you know, in, in, tribute to, uh, to coach Leach. And, and that was, right. uh, you know, sort of a fun, fun aspect of the day, the, the day as well.
3: Roger. Mike, how did, uh, all the festivities, uh, leading up to, uh, the game and, uh, the, uh, fan, uh, responses and everything. I'll tell you, uh, I was following yours, uh, and then the next day I I was watching the uh, high school all-star game in Orlando uh, because my Mm -hmm. nephew's uh, executive VP of Intersport, you know, that puts that on. And I Mm -hmm. said to my nephew, I was texting him, I said, boy, I'm just really sad and and, uh, surprised that there weren't more fans in the stands. Uh, in Orlando for that game and
6: mm-hmm.
3: uh, he said it's just a tu- it's a tough market so uh, uh you mm-hmm. obviously had a good response and um, how did everything go for the, for the week with your first uh, uh year with uh, Re- Requiaquist? Requelus yeah
7: they they were great partners um uh they they are great partners um, uh you know the, it was this was a new endeavor for them uh and really i think a new space uh, a, a new aspect of, of a company in their space, their cybersecurity space um, mm-hmm. to, to have such a role. I, I know that the, the founder CEO, uh, Brian Murphy, he mentioned that in an interview after the game, he said that, um, you know, in his wildest expectations, um, the, the, you know, everything sort of surpassed what, what he expected. And, and so um, I think they're very excited about it. Um, you know, they, we had a, a, a great um, uh, working relationship with them this year. They have, uh, you know, they they now have sort of been through, um, you know, uh, you know the, the bowl game and and all the different elements of how they can utilize it. And I think it's only going to get better, you know, uh, for future years. I'll, you know, we named them title sponsor in June, so we really only had about six months uh, to for them to really sort of get to speed on, okay, what, you know, what, uh, you know, how can we utilize this, this asset? Um, uh, You know, I remember years ago uh, Raymond James, who the stadium is named after and of course has been a big sponsor of the bucks for, for, uh, uh, I don't know, 35 years or whatever it's been. Um, You know, they, they, uh, I remember their marketing uh, strategist said, uh, yeah, we, we, they had never done anything publicly marketing before. Um, and uh and they they signed on as the title sponsor of the stadium and and the buccaneers um, and then afterwards they sort of they said they had to sort of sit down and figure out, okay now what are we going to do with this because <laughs> they't have any mm-hmm. kind of experience in you know doing such a thing and I think this is probably a similar kind of thing with ReliQuest, that there people were you know we we had to sort of educate them on okay well here's here's what's been done in the past here's here are the different assets to you that you can use the different vehicles and you know how, how do you want to in, incorporate these how do you want to utilize them and i think they you know we tried to help them along to you know understand you know you know these are different opportunities you have and and of course you know they were trying to figure out you know the best way to utilize those assets and and now that they've been through um uh, a game uh, they'll uh, sort of come back and we'll we'll do a big recap uh, with them and and then they'll, I'm sure they'll they'll probably make some adjustments. Maybe we'll add some things, you know, for next year that uh, you know that they they want to you know they've discovered that they might want to use some of the assets that we provided, you know, uh, more so or or differently. And uh, but it's you know it's a great working relationship. They're great people to work with, and and uh, we're just very excited to, to have them on board with us.
1: Mike Schulte, for some of the people that haven't joined us at times, Mike, uh, of course, joins us during the course of the season as we lead up to the bowl game. Quest. The one thing I did notice, uh, Mike, too, was that they're also doing some commercial advertising. Uh, some of the some of the games have ReliQuist on there mm-hmm. now, which was, uh, yeah. I thought, very interesting. My other question to you was, and we talked about it leading up to this game, about the bands. Uh, and, of course, mm-hmm. Mississippi State, as well as Illinois, as well as most of the major colleges, have tremendous college bands. I, we're at the game, so I'm not watching it on television, but uh, I, when well, I got home, I turned on the uh, uh, the Rose Bowl, and they spent a good portion, I'm going to say three and a half, four minutes, uh, for each band at halftime. And uh, mm-hmm. I thought it was terrific. You don't never, all you hear are the you know, normal stuff, the interviews at halftime, what happened here, the highlights and all that at the Rose Bowl they didn't do that they they showed the bands i, I thought mm. that was terrific i don't know whether you guys do that or not cuz i wasn't watching it on tv
6: yeah
7: yeah the tv network doesn't really do that they show uh they show it about a minute and a half i think of 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 our halftime show but yeah they 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 like to to do the you know the talking heads and the lead ins right, and all that right. and, you know one one of the things that's a little bit different with the Rose Bowl compared to our game is that uh, with our game there's a, two other games going on at the same time and of course they're 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 talking about the the you know we our game leads into the Rose Bowl so so they they like to talk use that time to talk about the upcoming game right, the Rose right. Bowl the, the two other games that are going on so they have a little bit more to talk about probably in that time slot that we're in um but yeah you know it's it's it, also you know um one of the old school, that, old you, school. We, we, yeah, we like to do it. And, and, you know, the fans and the fans that come to the game, they really get to see a terrific show. And as you know, not only, you know, with the college bands, but the high school bands and the dance teams, I'm sure you saw those kids down on the field. I was just going to say, how many, people,
1: how many people did yeah. you have on the field, pregame show and halftime show, when they did, you know, the, the entire well, halftime procedure? How many people were on the field?
7: Well, at one at one point during the, the halftime, when we had the high school bands and the dance teams from around the country, there was probably about 1500 um, mm-hmm. or 1600 kids on the field uh, just at that particular time. And of course, both the college bands performed before them, and each they each have about three or four hundred kids. So, so you're you're looking at you know roughly you know uh, 2500 kids uh, that get to perform at some point uh, during the halftime. And uh, and and you're right. I mean, it is a really special, um, sort of a little bit old school, but also just a really special kind of show. Unbelievable! Uh, Unbelievable! You can't make that stuff up. Yeah. So we we try and uh, we, we 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 try and live stream that um, on on our social media and that kind of stuff, so people can see it, and you know the, the parents and grandkids, or grandparents of the kids, and that are performing uh, have a way to see it. But it's. Uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun, and and going back to, like you were talking about, we had talked about before, you know, it's not just the players uh, on the teams that get to enjoy the experience here, but the, the college bands the che- and cheerleaders, the, the high school bands, the dance teams, the, you know, the fans, the media, you know, all these different segments of, of uh, constituents get to uh, come down and, and have a really fun time in just a, a wonderful destination the Tampa Bay area and um, and you know that's that's the kind of business we're in we want to showcase this market um, and uh, but also not only to the the people that come but also um, through the media and social media but you know all these people that come down we want them all to have a great experience no matter what their role and uh, and then leave with the idea that they want to come back and visit the area or or move here move their business here Um, you know that's that's why communities have bowl games Uh, to to generate that interest uh, as well as to to generate monies and uh, for the for the universities um, and and monies for for local charities so um, as we say every year it doesn't matter who wins the game on the field everybody's a winner uh, when you uh, when you put on a bowl game
1: Mike Schulte thank you so very very much not only for your contribution uh, during the course of the year on our show but also all the help you give us uh, at the arena, Raymond James, or at the stadium at Raymond James when we come over, uh, just a, a pleasure to work with you. And uh, now you got a week off, and you'll start all over again for next year. Thank you very, very much.
7: Well, well, one, I got one question for you guys though. Who's
3: going to win Go on Monday? <laughs> uh, you know who I think is going to win. Don't know.
1: <laughs> I, I, uh, let me tell you, the, tw- the other two games were so great. I just hope, and, and I'm a great Duggan fan. I, I know, you know Roger's been with George all for years, uh, and I didn't know that much about TCU until I started to watch him this year. The greatest game I've seen in, as a quarterback in college happened this year, and that was Duggan's, and the game that he lost, when it, you know, they were 11-1, and one. they should have been 12-0, and 0. and uh, he got them to the goal line and they didn't get in and uh with the first of gold to go uh so uh, i'm just hoping it's a good game uh i don't have any money on either side but i hope <laughs> it's a I hope it's a great game to watch yeah. what do you yeah, think I I, Mike? I,
7: I I do too you know it's it's well you know what's funny because it, it's been I, I don't know how many years but it's been a while since the semifinal games weren't pretty lopsided right Right. Um, you know there's been a lot of lopsided semifinal games, but the finals have usually been really good. I'm hoping it's not the opposite this year, where the two I'm semifinals were really good, and, the, and then the finals are lopsided. But Georgia's
1: a 14-point choice, it, and I, it, I, you know, but,
7: but and if it, you look but if at that, you look at the schedule, I, I got, and
1: you look at the two teams, and you can understand mm-hmm. why they are a 14-point choice. They're national champions. They're undefeated. They've beaten everybody. Uh, but I just hope Duncan can keep can keep them in the game. Yeah.
7: Well, if it is lopsided, I got one thing to say. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well,
3: just, let me pick. say this. Let me just say this. The, I really uh, am so happy for Spedman Bennett. That I mean, yeah. his his uh, resume about coming to Georgia and it, uh, was a walk on, and here if they win, he's taken them to two national championships. Right and and yeah. you know and yeah. and I know he won't be dra- I'm sure he won't be drafted in the first round as a quarterback, but right. I just give that young man so much credit. I mean, you know, he could have he's already graduated as I, I believe, but he could have already have left, you know, but he stayed around. Sure. And I think I think that also we're, we're talking about coaching earlier and and the uh, the individual the coach uh, individual. I think that says a lot about Kirby, about uh, yeah. the, the relationship he has with the uh, players. You know, Mike, before you go, I did want to say <laughs> so something wait, else. We gotta
1: move, we've got Mike got and Zach sitting on the line waiting well, to go for a Mike we got we to make a move out. So, once again, Mike, thank you very much. We'll get together shortly <laughs> after next year, after the season gets underway. All
7: right. Sounds good. Guys. Take care, Take thank you care up, have a, Thanks, have Mike. Take care, Mike. Have a great week.
1: Mike yeah, Zimzak on the line right now, and of course we uh, we talked about uh, the injury in football on Monday night, uh, but soccer uh, lost one of the greatest players of all time, maybe the greatest player of all time. Mike Zimzak, uh he is a, a soccer aficionado. He follows the game more closely than anybody I know, in all aspects, overseas uh, in the United States. And uh, Mike, uh, he was buried in his hometown yesterday. Uh, a sad day for for soccer, but yet a great, great player.
8: Well, let me start by saying uh, Happy New Year to uh, both of you. I hope you both enjoyed a uh, great uh, festive uh, time, a uh, great uh, Christmas and New Year's with your, your families. Uh, yeah, it was a uh, fortunate end of the year uh, that saw Pele. Pass and he was buried in his hometown in Brazil uh, just yesterday. Uh, you know he's one of those people whose name, and in this case, just the one, transcends the sport that he plays. Uh, I would say probably when you look at him, the the first really truly global superstar certainly the right. first truly global soccer superstar, but I'm trying to think of anybody who came before him in the 60s that kind of moved the needle to the extent that Pele moved it where, you know, he even in areas where soccer wasn't a thing, he was a known commodity. I mean, to the point where in the the 70s, you know, at the tail end of his career, he's putting record number of people in Giant Stadium to watch him play in the uh, NASL uh, for the New York Cosmos. This is a guy who everybody knew, and he was the a giant of the game, probably the greatest. I don't think I have to say probably, but widely recognized as the greatest player ever. Um, goal-scoring record that's kind of scored he I think he scored about a goal uh, 0.86 goals every game that's outrageous Uh, it's a full-tenth of a goal better than um, Lionel Messi the clip better than Lionel Messi scoring right now Um, the first and only person that ever wins three World Cups With Brazil in in the uh, 50s and and 60s, Uh, just all the accolades that he deserved, and somebody who truly loved the game, his his charisma during while he was playing and afterwards. I mean, that he could refer to it as the beautiful game. And remember, this guy played, and it was so players were so towards him. They hit him so hard, he ended up losing a kidney. So. Uh, just a great player and a, and a tremendous loss for the world of sports and the world of soccer.
3: Well I'll tell you, Mike, you know, going back to the sixties, uh, I can remember the uh, Philadelphia Adams and you uh let you win it, so I'll, I'll throw it to you. Yeah, and uh
1: Please. the it was uh the uh,
3: that was they used to play at Temple Stadium. Uh you know, where mm-hmm. uh, the uh, football team played. And uh and I, I remember Roger, hold cool. on
1: just a second. Frank's got another guest that wants to join in with Mike and with all of us. Uh, Frank, go to it.
2: Yes, yeah, and we have a uh, have an, another one of our on air hosts from uh, Saturday night. Uh, it's uh, Caden Carroll. Caden is the uh, aficionado on both uh, um UFC, um MMA, and as well as uh, soccer, so uh, um, maybe we, we want to join he and Mike together to uh, to talk about soccer tonight. Caden, how are well, doing? Ahead,
3: go ahead, Another one of the Carol talking? disciples.
2: Oh, yeah. Yes, sir. Go for it, buddy.
1: Go to it, Roger. Caden.
4: No, Caden, oh, go ahead. Uh, um... I mean, this the whole I mean, the whole Pele thing is is absolutely tragic. Just uh, you know, starting off in the new year and to get hit with, you know, both Pele and Maradona are not here uh, to see. Especially Maradona is not here to see his uh, his team win another World Cup final. And these are these these are really players that that really shined in the World Cup. Pele and Maradona. I think I think uh, Pele really gained his kind of goat status because of the World Cup. You know, with three World Cup titles, that's kind of that's, that's something no one will ever be able to re- replicate, and um, and I mean towards the whole goat talk. If we're talking, you know, top three, I, I would definitely, I I think the more Messi plays, I think that he can get the edge on Pele, but right now, I think Pele is still better than 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 anyone to ever play.
1: Mike, your thoughts.
4: I mean, I, I don't
8: think he's wrong at all. Uh, Messi still has a little bit of a career left. Uh, Pele came along at, I guess, the perfect time, you know, right at the advent and the spread of TV. Uh, he was the first superstar of that kind that we were actually able to watch with regularity worldwide play. The um, Stefano, the other Argentine, was a great player in the early '50s, but most the time, the only way that you ever got to see him play was in newsreel footage. Pele was brought to us live. It helped that he played with such charisma, such class. Uh, He played for Brazil. He had the one name. He's he's just an amazing player and a great ambassador for the game, the greatest. And it's going to be tough now that he's gone. Uh, Now that he's gone.
4: Um, absolutely. I think the, the biggest takeaway from his from his game is that he but he never played in, in in Europe. He only played in 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 uh in, Amer- in the Americas. He never played in Europe. That's he never he
8: played in Europe he never needed to. He played at a different era when, you know, the Brazilian players could make a career just playing in Brazil. Uh and you know, I Europe think that was the competition
4: a big, over in Europe but, is better. Yeah,
8: it, it's, but, you know, at that time, Brazilian players didn't travel. I think it's worth noting also that the only place he played outside of
3: Brazil, of all places, was the United States. Well, yeah. and jet travel only started in the 60s when you think about it, right? The idea that, you know, at that time, Brazilian players didn't need to leave Brazil.
8: It's not The economics were a lot different. And Pelé was considered a national treasure. Uh, They just refused to let him go until the very, very, very end of his career.
4: Well, I know that – go go ahead, Caden. Uh, I'm not taking anything away from this game. I was just saying that, you know, I think if if he was – he's not playing against as high as the level as Messi and Ronaldo have been playing against their entire careers. He's playing against a lot worse players in the Brazilian league
1: well, the other thing you guys have to remember is that uh, you know you didn't travel like you do today. So you, you know you talk okay, about going concerned. from you talk about going from Brazil to somewhere else. It's not like you jumped on a plane and you just go. It doesn't happen. So uh, you know all the sports have seen that uh, uh, because of the fact now you can make you know you're you be anywhere in four or five hours from the United States. You could go over to England, and play and France and Germany and play football with no problem. Well, you couldn't do that in the '50s. Right.
3: That's exactly right, and because I can remember it was a four-hour flight
1: from Philadelphia
3: to Miami on a four-engine uh, jet. I'm not, I'm not a jet on a four-engine prop, and you know now you can go with two and a half hours from uh, Philly to Miami.
1: Yeah, that, that's why I say you know that that makes all sports different. But I think uh, Mike, uh, you're in a better position than we. Uh, especially for soccer, because the countries are so far apart. Unless you're, you know, unless you're in, in Europe, and you know, and, and that's a little different. You can go from one country to another, but if you're in Brazil, that's a, that's a long ride.
8: In the, uh, I, I understand what Caden's saying. Uh, you know, today you see players play against the level of European competition all the time. The best players do play in Europe. It was a different era Pele was playing. Uh, he Brazilian players at that time didn't really need to play outside of Brazil to the extent that they do now. Uh, the economics, the, the Brazilian league was a lot more viable. All the uh, South American leagues were a lot more viable. Uh, so at the time that Pele played, yeah, you had foreign players who might play over in Europe. But by and large, most of the players from those, uh, Brazil played their domestic soccer in Brazil. Uh, but there's also the added fact that Br- Pelé was seen as so important to Brazilian soccer that you know, okay. Santos, which is a club that can't afford necessarily to do this anymore, was able to keep him throughout his entire career. Likewise, the Brazilian government uh, just... They would not allow him to leave Brazil. He was classified very early on as something akin to a national treasure, and the mm. idea of him playing outside of Brazil, um, the competition. So, but he, you know, he won the equivalent of the European Cup, the Copa Libertadores, with Santos, which at the time was a much bigger team than it is today. Uh, on two occasions, um, that would have been the equivalent of what uh, then. So, no, he did not compete in the same competitions that you see current guys like Messi and Ronaldo competing. But those competitions that he did play in were were, were a lot better. They were a lot than they might be today. And to be honest, um, like I know enough about the structure of the South American – the Brazilian championships to get myself in trouble. But sort of (laughs) – Uh, Anything, understanding The Brazilian soccer season uh, You basically need a PhD To do it because I think Sometimes they just make those rules up as they Go along
1: down there Well Well, gentlemen, thank you very much For a little bit of tribute to them Uh, We had had only 10 minutes to uh, dissertation a little bit on soccer Dave, but primarily on the life of one of the greatest soccer players of all time if not the greatest. So Mike, gentlemen, thank you very much for this segment. We Bye, uh, really continue. appreciate Have it. Have a great week. Doug Hamilton and Danny by next and uh, we're going to get Dad, into the golf season. Now. This what? is going to be the first weekend for uh, a little golf activity but uh, Doug... more importantly uh, maybe Doug can tell us not only about the Ravens but I uh, know that uh, Harbaugh was in town to to talk to uh, a couple of teams during the last couple of days that are saying they're not really interviews, uh, they're sort of discussions. What are, what are they saying in Baltimore about what's going to happen in Michigan? Is he, is he really looking for a job in the National Football League, or is he just talking?
9: Well, I think he's been looking for years. Um, I think you're, you're crazy if, you know, you're, you're you're not updating your resume on a you know, semi, you know, regular basis and and, uh, and looking elsewhere. I mean, there's always other Valor bills that you can find, and I think he's, you know, he's a Michigan man, but I think he's always, I mean, at the end of the day, when you reach a certain pinnacle, and no matter what you do, you're always going to run into some level of resistance, whether it's athletic directors or whomever, right. you know, is calling the shots. And uh, I can imagine that, that process of, recruiting and and all the, you know, BS that goes with with all of that style is, you know, maybe not worth, you know, that juice isn't worth the squeeze for him. And I think that he had a really good time in San Francisco, and and, um, I think his heart is truly set on, you know, we heard a couple years ago. Well, uh,
1: they're talking Denver and they're talking uh, Carolina. They're the two teams that uh, he said discussions, (laughs) not not interviews, but discussions. Mm
9: -hmm. Well, we have another week before we get to Black Monday, and you'll see you know, some other options, I think, crop up. I, My belief is that Sean Payton's going to have his pick of the litter. Um, I think he's probably ready to come back. And, you know, there's other options available in, in Houston and, and uh, probably some other ones, you know, that, that may come to fruition there too. So um, we'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, I think most of the discussions in Baltimore uh, are typically, you know, focused on Lamar. Um, is he going to play? Is he not going to play? Um you know, they've talked about uh, opening negotiations with him after the season, again, on a long-term contract. I think that, to me, it's become pretty evident that Lamar has is going to make more money not playing than he is playing. Um, you know, if you look at the last four games that Huntley started, the Ravens are averaging somewhere between 12 and 13 points a game. So, by him standing on the sidelines, I think it's pretty obvious that they cannot win a football game without him playing the quarterback position. So... I think he's made himself invaluable, uh, you know, standing there wearing his Oakleys.
3: Roger? Well, you know, I, I saw that he was in uh, Carolina and uh, the others. You know, I, I, the only thing is, uh, uh, Doug, I I wonder whether he'll even uh, uh, go back to the NFL. Uh, Don and I talked about this the other night. He's got a plum job. It's a, I, think, uh, a co- I, well, I think a, a college re- uh, job is a lot easier on the family than a pro mm-hmm. job. And I think it's the personalities, yeah. uh, what you have to go through. You have more c- uh, control. You've got 100 players on the uh, team. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, you don't have 56, whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. I just think that he's got a good deal and uh, makes a lot of money. And, uh, going back to the NFL is in everything.
9: Well, I think it's a valid point, but I think that once you've had a bite of the apple, I think you, you likely want at least one more. And I think he's probably, he literally, you know, he's probably right around 60. And I think he probably has, you know, one more ride in him in terms of being a, an NFL coach. And, um, you know, there's, there's probably more money in it, you know, for him in the NFL and, and, um. You know he's moved around from you know different places to places that, unfortunately, it's probably difficult for his family. But I'm sure that at this point it's the lifestyle and and they and they kind of know. I mean you know uh, um, you know John Harbaugh's been pretty lucky to be in Baltimore for as long as he has to have seen his kids almost 15 you know, be, right, like 15, 16, whatever it is to be stationary and and probably you know obviously work their way through. Through school and, and, and some consistency with you know friends and family and those sorts of things, you don't always get that opportunity, and and he's had that, um, you know. So I don't I don't know. I mean, I think, like I said, I mean, I think he'll have some options, and I think he'll have to sit down with his family and, and weigh some of those options. But I think he's a very good head coach. Um, you know, I think I think they both share a little bit of that bravado that you know, has them going for fourth and ones and two-point conversions and, and those sorts of things um, on a more regular basis than, than most. I don't believe that either one of them are very conservative individuals. So it may fit the profile that he'd be looking to, to scramble one more time. So.
6: Going back to oh, your
1: comment about Jackson they, they uh, you know, standing on the sidelines there the other night, <clears throat> and they talked about it at great late, you know, do they franchise him again? What do they do? Mm-hmm. Uh, how much money can you put in? Uh, mm-hmm. You know you're looking at uh, uh you know let's let's just say hypothetically five years uh mm-hmm. you know he gets hurt and, and you got all that money and now, what do you do now about keeping the mm-hmm. balance of a team so there's a mm-hmm. lot of decisions to be made there by yeah. both parties, by Jackson and also by the ravens
9: yeah it's um it's pretty obvious that he's the franchise quarterback and, and the undisputed talent level that he brings to the quarterback position in Baltimore and
1: can't win without you know, him. I think
9: Well, it's been obvious that that their offense has sputtered. Um, I think that, um, you know, the offense and the people they draft, um, you know, is centric to his talent and his abilities and and what they want to do scheme-wise. I I think this last four weeks of of, of watching them sputter in the red zone and not be able to get critical first downs, um, you know, this past game uh, they played was just, I very I'm very surprised that I didn't break the remote. Um I did I did throw <laughs> it. Um it landed softly, but um you know, I it just uh you know, they, they you know, Huntley had hundred and thirty yards passing and a hundred of it went to Andrews. Um, they have no wide receivers. Gus Edwards I I don't even know if he was in in, in uniform for Pete's sakes. I think he carried it twice for three yards or whatever it was. Um, you know, at the end of the game, uh, you know, Justice Hill had a really nice uh, kick return and they got all the way into the 40 yard line and and couldn't get, couldn't get a first down. They couldn't even get five yards to be able to kick a field goal, which would have basically sealed the game. And then, you know, at the end of the game, they needed basically one critical first down late in that fourth quarter and and couldn't do it. Um, It it was just really awful. in the last, Several games have been just nail biters in terms of lack of offensive output. I think their defense has played relatively good. Um, I was a little disappointed um, against the Steelers that they could not stop the run and everybody knew that both teams were basically just going to turn and hand it off. And they both had successes running the football and, and, You know, I think the bigger question for me, at least, is, you know, if Baltimore's going to go out and get Roquan Smith, who I think is a fabulous linebacker, and give up a a two and a three for him, I I think he has to be in the mix for a long-term contract, and it'll be interesting to see how they work both of those guys in there. Um, You know, Marcus Peters comes off the books at a pretty high salary, and whether they re-sign him or not, I'm not sure. Um, Marlon Humphrey and Ronnie Stanley are both uh, making an awful lot of money that would be nice if we could convert. You know some of that into um, you know other options to, to free up some money. I think they have some guys on their team that I, I haven't seen Nick Boyle um, play the, the blocking tight end position, and I can't tell you how I don't even know when the last time he played was. But I think he's scheduled to make about nine and a half million next year, and I'm certain that the four other tight ends on the roster can cover whatever it is. So I mean they'll have some you know flexibility. I think that. You know, the Ravens probably have the upper hand going into the first year of negotiation with him with regard to, you know, this is kind of my price and, you know, we're not going to give you, you know, all this guaranteed money, as you mentioned, Don. I think that the injury risk is a lot to assume for um, a high number of guaranteed. You know, if you're going to give the guy $40 million, which is roughly about the amount that they would have to pay uh, with the franchise tag, you know, they're already paying him $23. They i am sure they can find another seventeen. Um, and does that allow them to re-sign Roquan Smith and give them another year to figure out? You know, can we make it through the season healthy? And is this a long-term commitment that we want to make? Because at the end of the day, it's a business decision. And I also think, you know, the, the future the of Greg now, Roman though? is what's the uh, cap? Two what is it two twenty or I don't know somewhere in there. It's so at forty, it's um, roughly
3: uh, a, a little less than twenty uh, percent. 20, yeah, yeah.
9: 25%. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's that's quite a size of a number. Of to, well, but money is the money because, unfortunately, that's the going rate for quarterbacks. The bigger question is how much are we going to guarantee? And I think I think Lamar was, was on record at some particular point in time as saying that he only wanted a three-year deal. He didn't want to be locked into a longer-term deal because he's such a young guy that I think he can take a couple more bites of the apple um, you know, in terms of, of getting... Doug, you know, Doug, let me ask out. you this.
1: Why why uh, does he have so much confidence in himself that he's negotiating all this himself? He doesn't have an agent negotiating for He doesn't have an, an agent, Don. Huh? He doesn't have... Yeah, he does,
9: he does not. I think he has, uh, I think he has his, his mom's is, is his uh, right-hand man, I think, you know, in terms right. of going through this process. And I think, you know, unfortunately, I believe that makes this negotiations you know, this process a little more difficult. I mean, when you can get, um, you know, an agent in a room or on a phone or whatever, I think you can probably expedite some of these conversations and, and come to a, an agreement a little quicker, as opposed to sitting him into a room, what he knows about the process. I, I'm not sure. I know that he knows that he's worth a lot of money and that the Ravens need him. Um, you know, in, in terms of what he's asking for, I, I believe that there have been offers made that he's rejected because I think he said guaranteed amounts of money were not enough for him. Um, so I, you know, and he is
3: at three years. He is betting on himself.
9: Okay, for sure he
3: is. Yeah,
9: but I mean, if you're if you're the Ravens and you have two franchise tags which are likely to be eighty million dollars, well, hell, that's guaranteed money anyway. Why not just give him his three year deal for a buck twenty and guarantee it and be done with it? You, well, you're going to do it anyway. But uh, that's what I'm saying.
1: I mean, I I don't know what you know. I don't. I'm not privy, obviously, or none of us are, to what the negotiations have been along the way. Uh, mm -hmm. That he has this kind of confidence in himself and his mother or whoever, uh, you know, to make those kinds of decisions as, as to what he should do.
9: Well, I mean, look. I think he's let a lot of this play out with other quarterbacks. You know, he saw Aaron Rodgers get 50 mil. He saw Watson get. Uh, whatever, 230 million. I mean, you know, he did nothing but sit back and, and hold his cards until other people got signed. And Russell Wilson I and mean, all these guys, you know, and I think he's he's basically saying, hey, man, look, these guys are doing this. Uh, I'm going to Yeah, but at the same uh, time,
1: they were pressing for that money. They wanted it to. He hasn't, he, he hasn't come out. At least I haven't seen where he's come out and said, you know, I want X over dollars for three years or five years or eight years well, or anything. I haven't.
9: No, he, he if you, I, I could. You could find it somewhere if you Google it. I think that that happened prior to the season, and I think he said once the season came, he wasn't he wasn't interested in, in continuing that conversation until after. Okay, so he hasn't made any. Well, more the, Eagles,
3: the Eagles are going to have to negotiate coming up with Jalen Hurts.
6: Mm-hmm. Okay,
3: uh, and uh, and you you have to look at uh, that, uh, and I, I see I'm thinking that uh, the way things are going in the NFL. Uh, you draft a quarterback, and then, uh, you know, you, you you train him for a couple of years, and then you let him t- take over for a couple of years, mm-hmm. and, but you are constantly recycling because sure. that's the only way you're going to be competitive, in my opinion. Well, I mean, you, you, get, you, you get can't have all the, this money in these quarterbacks. Well, I mean, it's, it's you yeah, don't a training. quarterback, you don't win. Well, I, I know, but that's why you have to have uh, a, a stable. A, like what did Howie uh, 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 Roseman say? Uh, a, a quarterback, uh, uh, I don't know what, what it was, What are you, the term, but that's what he was saying, that you just develop quarterbacks. Now, I can remember Green Bay doing this with Holmgren, okay, when they had Bart Starr and then they had um, the uh who was it that the eagles almost got uh but there were the uh the, who was the number 2 and then there was a the number 3 at green bay and uh who was the the uh, he went to uh, jacksonville when they first started but he he was supposed to be with oh. the eagles when andy Reid came mark brunell mark brunell exactly
9: yeah cuz andy yeah. Reid
3: wanted him and then they wouldn't have drafted Donovan McNabb, you know. Mm-hmm. And and the other thing is, if, if the Falcons did not, uh, if they had known what was going to happen to Michael Vick, they would not have left uh, Matthew. Um, he went to Houston. They wouldn't have let him go. Yeah, so yeah. you know, and that's why you you just ha- you have to look. I, I just. I think it's going to get to the point, unless they raise the cap to $300 million, uh, right. you're never going to build a team if you have to invest so much in a quarterback. I mean, if
1: you, if you want to – The like, well, 49ers you a, got three quarterbacks right now that are pretty good. They're one of the back few on, teams. They
3: had the third one. But, it, but the yeah. thing and is – They're one, one of the few rookie. teams has three
1: quarterbacks.
3: Right. And and he's a rookie. What does a rookie make, uh, Doug? I think three, 750 right?
9: Yeah, it's it's pennies on the dollar comparative to, you know, these long term deals. I mean, Trey Lance is is still under his rookie contract. I mean, He's I think, under
3: a rookie. Jalen Hurts is under a rookie. Well, yeah.
9: Garoppolo is going to be the odd man out. I mean, you're going to have. I mean, you've got all kinds of of situations. I mean, Derek Carr is on his way out of of Oakland. You've got, uh, you know, the the Washington team that needs something. They need a quarterback. I mean, I think you'll see. Um, a heavy dose of quarterbacks get drafted in this year's draft. I think the litter is, is pretty popular. Well, gentlemen, we're, we're going to have good. to leave it
1: right there. We're out of time. Frank says tick, tick, tock. Once again, Doug, thank you very, very much. We'll uh, <clears throat> get right back at it next week. Roger, thank yeah. you. Frank, another great job. All our guests, Roy Cummings and uh, Bill Berge, and a uh, great fun show tonight. Thank you very much. Turn it over, hey. Frank. Go ahead, Frank. And
3: and Caden Carroll. I love Frank. That's great having him on. God bless.
2: Yeah. Well, Kate has a uh, has a show that's going to be on Tuesday nights. He and his brother uh, uh, Trevor will be work, working on uh, Tuesday nights, doing a, um, a USFL football league. Uh, they've got uh, team players already signed up for, it, so it should be a great uh, great
3: show. Nice. Is that going to be the same, uh, same time and the uh, same uh, yeah. phone number and everything? Yes. Mm-hmm. Absol- yep. Oh, that's, I can't wait to hear that. That's great. Yep.
2: Yep. And it, uh, I want to thank everybody for coming on. And Doug, again, uh, thank you for everything. Uh, Have Roger, a great Roger, I don't week. know if you knew it or not. Roger, I don't know if you knew it or not, but uh, uh, Candace was – who is uh, taping up in the, the training room uh, to get ready to go on the field for the uh, last game. Yeah. So we, uh, we thank her for
9: helping us uh, we, we win. We, we have an extended pregame here, and we'll be getting eye black on and ankles taped and all kinds of stuff before <laughs> the game.
6: <go>. Oh, that's <laughs> outstanding. <laughs>
9: <laughs> ladies, and, ladies and gentlemen, these
2: programs are brought to you each and every night of the week in group appreciation. The men and women of the United States Armed Forces. And then when police fire and services, when you're out there and you see somebody in uniform, please let them know you know they're there. They're very tough times for guys and girls in uniform, and we appreciate everything you do for us. These, these programs are dedicated to those who lost their lives in the line of duty. Deputy Robert Anthony Carroll, Patrolman Jeffrey Colcat, Patrolman Jeffrey Yazulis, <clears throat> Patrolman David David Curtis, Sergeant Thomas Batinger, Detective Brandy Bell, Detective Ricky Childers. San Diego Officer Mike Kendler. Sergeant Tom Wilson, Charlotte County Sheriff's Office. Patrolman Charlie Connett, Tarpon Springs Police Department. Deputy Chief Mike Godwin, Philadelphia Fire Department. Lieutenant Joyce Craig Lewis, Philadelphia Fire Department. Sergeant James O'Connor, Philadelphia Police Department. Sergeant Chris LeVake, Hillsborough County Sheriff's Department. Patrolman Arthur Chrisman, Lakeland PD. Lieutenant Joe Zerba, Newcastle County Police. Patrolman Josh Meyer, Nassau County Sheriff's Office. Captain Chris Leach, Wilmington Fire Department. Cat- Captain Matt Returno, Philadelphia Fire Department. Lieutenant Arthur Hope, Wilmington Fire Department. Lieutenant Jerry Ficus, Wilmington Fire Department. Trooper Joe Bullock, Florida Highway Patrol. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Trooper, Trooper Chelsea Richards, Florida Highway Patrol. Chief Al Hogolombo, Key Police Department. Chief Jimmy Ford, Wilmington Fire Department. Deputy uh, Mike Hargrave, uh, Pinellas County Sheriff's Department. Deputy Blaine, Blaine Lane, Polk County Sheriff's Department, and Deputy Chris Meyer, um, Polk County Sheriff's Department. My brothers and sisters, though, you may be 10-7 at this point in time, and sometime we'll be 10-10 at the table of the Lord. Until that time, may the rosaries have to meet you. May the winds be always at your back. May the rains fall softly on your fields and the sunshine lightly on your face. Until we meet again, may the good Lord keep you and your family always in the hollow of his hand. Good night, God
10: bless, and have a great week. <laughs>
2: Um uh-huh.